which first of all, that truck looked fine to me. Oh yeah, that's. A I'm fine not truck. a car guy, but like that truck looked relatively new, and the interior was not tore up. Yeah, like Ben Affleck just needs like a new beer fridge. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that like if I had their lifestyle, I could definitely make do with two million dollars. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is review number 550 with a review of Triple Frontier. I'm Christopher Schnazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spore the Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Except, of course, this week, because we did not review anything that is coming to a theater near you. But we did watch a little film called Triple Frontier, which is a new action film that just came out on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bye week we have going on here, um, but uh, we wanted to get out another review for you. And uh, why not talk about the next Netflix thing? I feel like Netflix is starting to become <laughs> like several reviews a month are now coming oh, from Oh, I know. Netflix. Yeah, it's becoming a big thing. But I'm just glad they can elevate untold stories and make dads feel seen all across America with movies <laughs> like Triple Frontier. Really, who else would make a movie about a bunch of dudes fighting in Latin America? It's never been done. Uh, yeah, I guess that's a little sneak preview <laughs> of what's going to be coming no, in just I, a moment. Was, I don't know if you saw Netflix's PR snafu over Twitter the last week where they they canceled the show and then they tweeted like a PR thing about like, if this show made you feel seen, please know that your story matters to us and we're going to continue to be the network that does. It's like, you can't fucking cancel a show and then take the high horse about it. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, unfortunate. I don't know what that show was. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, it was something where the name sounded a lot like a soap opera and I probably should have looked it up before mentioning that rant. <laughs> but I'm um, not going to. But no, I, like, raw. I, I, after you brought it up, I remember the stories of the show being canceled. I was like, I don't know what that show is, though. So I didn't, am not affected by it. Mm. So Me neither. But uh, what I am affected by, potentially, <laughs> is, is this film, Triple Frontier, which... Uh, I mean, I guess we should. I guess we should get out. Um, last time we did a a Netflix film, we talked about both watching it on an iPad. Yeah. <laughs> did you watch this film again on an iPad? No, but God, I wasn't going to admit this on the podcast. You watched it on the toilet. No, <laughs> to- toilets don't screen phones yet. <laughs> um, no, that I watched the beginning of this movie on my phone on a plane because that's the only thing that netflix lets you like download offline i didn't have an ipad with me um but then i rewatched all of it at home on netflix because i want to give it a fair shake okay. don't want to be that guy who judges based on a phone screen viewing <laughs> so uh, here's the question the point you stopped while on your phone had they even completed the recce yet uh the point that I stopped, they were entering the house, I Okay, think. cool. Yeah. Um, uh, cool. So uh, what do you say, Stephen, when we get into this review? Can't wait. All right. We're going to take a listen to the trailer for Triple Frontier and then come back and bring you guys a review. First things first. Any man here that wants to walk away can do so knowing they're the best of us. This has got to be now. There is no ground support. 
injuries we sustained, we're walking out with. Make no mistake about it. You guys need to own the fact that we do not have the flag on our shoulders. You cannot go back to your normal life after tonight. Everything we've done for the last 17 years, with nothing to show for it. You've been shot five times for your country, and you can't even afford to send your kids to college. If we had accomplished half the things that we've accomplished in any other profession, we'd be set for life. I'm your masters of war. The question is, do we finally get to use our skills for our own benefit? We're going to get Gabriel Martin Larea. He's got over $75 million in cash. If we're not gone forever after you make your move, we are dead. We need to hunt quickly. Is your money that good? You cannot stay. They will find us. It's always a little harder than you think it's going to be. We don't need nonsense like that. This is not what I signed up for. A lot of people are going to come after you. So we go through. All right, so that was the trailer for Triple Frontier. Um, it is a uh, fun little romp through <laughs> through some places in Brazil. And uh, essentially it is about a bunch of soldiers, some of them ex-soldiers, some of them seemingly partially current soldiers. Um, but they're all in different places in their life, but they've all served a bunch of tours and whatever a while back. And uh, now one of them has found out about this um, drug lord um, somewhere in Brazil and... Uh, finds out that he just has a shit ton of cash um, inside his house, and they kind of come up with a plan to go take him out, because, I mean, clearly he's a drug lord, so he's a bad dude. Um, so they decide to go take him out, steal as much money as they can, and hopefully sneak back to the United States where they can make up for the fact that the U.S. government has kind of abandoned them and not really given them anything. You know, they served all this time, and they can't even buy a house or sell a condo or buy a truck. I forget <laughs> which one they're supposed to be doing. Um, but essentially, they're like, we haven't been helped. We got to get paid. Um, and uh, instead of storming uh, Alcatraz <laughs> and putting VX gas there, they decide to take on a, a drug lord and just start to steal his money. Um, so... Lorea. <laughs> the curse of La Lorea. <laughs> uh, I mean, that would be an apt name for this film, actually. Yeah, um, I, know. I mean, spoilers. <laughs> um, but yeah, Stephen Miller, what did you think of Triple Frontier? I thought this was. Oh, okay. So I think the first half of this movie is extraordinarily generic dad rock movie, like as generic dad rock as you can get. I think it's exemplified. Uh, I mean, pretty pretty much any character actually <laughs> exemplifies this, but Ben Affleck especially, just grizzly Ben <laughs> Affleck with a beard, making a stoic-looking face, having a conversation. I, I referenced it before when we opened our beer, talking to Oscar Isaac, like, you still drink beer? <laughs> this is also yeah. a guy who is separated from his wife, wants his kid to love him, but picks him up. And immediately starts chugging exactly, some beers yeah. as he's driving her to they wherever don't talk he's in going. The car. And this is just dads across America, right? It's yeah. like, I don't have a relationship with my kids. 
my my ex is a stone cold bitch. I just want to go shoot somebody, right? Like, that, <laughs> that, like that, I, I mean, the the movie I mean, is claiming to be about like politically disaffected people who they were left behind after serving in the military, you know, for a variety of real reasons. Like we don't pay veterans enough. Like services are not very good afterwards, and so they're forced to go on this journey instead. But I feel like despite it being a like a pretty decently stacked cast, but you and I were joking before that this is like the the knockoff cast of uh, Lone Survivor, but it's not really like at this point. They're, they're like, both knockoff casts of each other. Yeah, because at this point, like Oscar Isaac is a huge star. You got Ben Affleck in there. Um, <laughs> I feel like <laughs> that was a little little subtle dig at Ben Affleck. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Gar- Garrett Hedlund, I feel like has been in a bunch of stuff lately. Charlie Hunnam, uh, Game of Thrones dude. Like these are all people who are pretty recognizable and. The director also, J.C. Shandor, I remember like when A Most Dangerous Year or A Most Violent Year Most Violent came out. Year, yeah. yeah, when that came out, critics were all about that movie. I never caught it or All Is Lost or Margin Call, so I knew nothing about him. But he's kind of like a critical darling, I think. Uh, Catherine Bigelow had been set to direct this movie before. It was written by the guy who did Zero Dark Thirty and The Hurt Locker and all these other movies. Like, It looks like a movie that should be really awesome, right? But for a movie with that many good, talented people involved, I feel like the characters are, like, not even there. Like, like there's nothing about any of these characters that I feel like I've learned from watching it, especially the first hour of it. It's just we're watching Oscar Isaac do his little, like, I'm sir, I'm becoming disaffected with uh, the narco th- situation. And we're, we're, like, introduced to all these people, but there, there's no substance to it as far as I can tell. It's just, like, cutting to scene after scene of very obvious nothingness like it like it's very bland i feel like it was a very bland movie and the pacing is such that like by the time they go into the house after they do their recon mission you're i I was thinking like nothing surprising has happened yet but this movie still has like an hour and 20 minutes to go (laughs) what the hell am i watching like what is going on and i just feel like the way tension is built is not very good and then, like, the second half, things go off the rails a little bit, and it at least became entertaining. I don't think it became very good, <laughs> but it became, like, amusing to watch after that point. And in the end, I just feel like it's it, it's like a very dad rock movie that has a very mixed set of messages, like, kind of Sicario, but not really. I think it's more like 13 Hours, the, uh, the movie about Benghazi, where yeah. they're all... The Disaf- other, other knockoff Ex- cast. <laughs> yeah, like disaffected former soldiers who are fighting for a variety of reasons. And it isn't pro or anti anything. It's just about like the war is hell, hoorah type mantra. And it, I don't know, it it gets to a bunch of morally messy areas. And I just feel like it doesn't do anything to deserve it. It's just kind of like a bland movie. But it it looks good. Like at least <laughs> the second half I thought was pretty. Like I, I like the location in the Andes. Solid rain effects on the house. Sure, solid, <laughs> solid rain effects. Like I, I, I don't. Good I, I, donkey CG. It looks like a real movie, which is why it's so weird to me that just nothing fucking happens that make it makes it deserve to be a movie, except for a cast that is just good enough to keep it mildly amusing most of the way through. Otherwise, it was very mad to me. So, so I like this movie. <laughs> Hot damn. Um, I mean, I don't like it in a I can justify it kind of way, but I think it is a a fairly interesting film. I think from the get-go, I was surprised that 
it wasn't just the yo man we got to get our we got to get paid and we got to do one last job it was sort of this guy kind of having a legit reason to put together it, basically it was it was it was a military contractor who was already doing work for a foreign power uh, trying to freelance with his buddies to take on a mission that would get them a good payday, right? Mm-hmm. This wasn't just the, hey, I have the inside scoop on something, let's go do it. As the film progresses, it kind of becomes more that. But from the beginning, the plan and how everybody gets together seems more based on, like, actually trying to do good and just trying to get paid while you're doing that good, right? And I think that was a good, I don't know, it, it was. it could have been a good twist on the formula if it didn't turn into the exact same formula going mm-hmm. forward. But I think that the 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 characters are sort of aware of the type of film they're in. And it's not just that they're like disaffected. It's like they're just like, I don't give a fuck. Let's go shoot some stuff. Right. And yeah. it's like it, it it's not super hoorah. It's sort of just like, let's go be proficient and do a thing and get paid. Yeah. And I think that kind of changed. But they're not that pr- proficient even. <laughs> but I mean I, I think I think they are when they are doing it's 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 like imagine if uh you're watching like the a team and they do the whole thing about talking about how the mission's gonna go and then everything went wrong Mm -hmm. the a team would also be bad right (laughs) Right. but so i I think that they are proficient but part of what makes them proficient is doing exactly what they're setting out to do and i think that kind of just watching them talk about doing things well i i I enjoyed it i kind of like them i I think oscar isaac is fucking amazing like like he's so he's so watchable really i i feel like in this movie he's like kind of a wet blanket i i don't think he's given much to do but i just i just find him incredibly watchable and he just he just has like a charisma to him that even when he's not doing anything right or not necessarily being like the best dude you're still like i'll watch some more of this (laughs) like I, i just i just found myself being entertained by these characters. And I think that the story is pretty formulaic and does what all a bunch of other films do in the same way, but I feel like this is not the shit is hitting the fan in that more and more soldiers are coming after it. It's just everything is going wrong. Everything's going wrong. And I I found that really compelling just to figure out what was going to wrong go what was going to go wrong next and what these characters like, they start this film by being, look, no one dies except for Lorea. We only do this if the family isn't home. Mm-hmm. We, well, first of all, if I can sidetrack for a second. Please do. <laughs> their rule is only Lorea dies. <laughs> and we don't want to do anything if the family is coming home. They have no problem of the family coming home to the house on fire with their dad dead in the burning building. Sure. But they don't want to shoot the dad while the kids are there watching. Mm-hmm. That was a little silly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if I can put that aside for a second. Like, they start off as being like, look, this is a crime that will hurt no one except for Lorea. <laughs> we'll just get our payday and go off. And then we'll just get out of here and then go back to being normal people just having a lot of cash on hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of liked just their their idea of like, oh, yeah, it's a victimless crime. <laughs> Let's just go do it. And the slow descent in the decisions they have to make, which spirals away from the this is a victim, victimless crime to this is a, lots of victims and everyone feels shitty about how it's going sort of thing. And And I... I found the constant change in situations they were in to at least be entertaining enough to keep me invested in the characters and kind of watching each of them 
descend from being the one they think is the altruistic one or the one who's like always keeping their their head on straight to being like people constantly going against their morals or doing situations where they're like, I mean, this is what the mission calls for, so I'm going to do this. And then arguing amongst themselves as to who like committed which acts that were worse, right? Like Mm -hmm. I, I just found the situations they were in interesting and really just the idea that a mission can go so well that it's too well that it causes problems for you <laughs> mm-hmm. was an interesting concept. Like I've never seen an issue or I've never, I've never seen a film where the heist is too much stuff to heist. <laughs> mm-hmm. And due to the sheer fact that there's so much stuff to heist, people are having problems, right? Like yeah. I, I just found that interesting. And at least I thought the performances, while like the dialogue wasn't that great, I thought the performances were good enough for the experience that like I was drawn in and watching these characters and like caring what happened next and and i I should say even though i'm i'm shitting on it as being kind of generic dad rock movie like i mostly like dad rock it was it was good enough for what it had to be i just i feel like given all the talent involved like good enough shouldn't have been the bar like it should have been more than that um i do think so one thing that kind of tainted my viewing of it is while I started watching this, uh, Joanna next to me on the plane started watching Widows. And the, compara- <laughs> the comparisons of like... I mean, that's the, not really fair. <laughs> the motives behind the characters, the, the discussion of the weight of money and how hard it is to carry money. <laughs> like like there, there were things like that where I kept thinking, damn it, she's got a better movie on. <laughs> um, and and I, could, I couldn't stop picturing that. Um, I do think the... On paper, I think this is a very interesting movie. Like, I agree. I think the the structure of the way they start on a high horse and slowly situation after situation causes them to descend in, like, causes them to compromise the values that they set up or at least modify the plan in a way that they don't like. Yeah. Leading to the question of how much is too much, when have we become the bad guys? Like, that is all compelling on the surface. I think the way it is paced and acted doesn't really do justice to that at all and part of it i think is that ben affleck slash roy from the office with a bigger beard um (laughs) is like he is so like i don't want to give spoilers but i think he tilts into moral bankruptcy like way too quickly for me to believe anything yeah especially as him ostensibly being the planner and the sober careful conservative one in the group I think that is just a fuel for a lot of things in a way that I didn't buy. And that kind of annoyed me. Like most of the movie is basically just them cleaning up after his shitty decisions, right? Like they all get dragon sickness or whatever. And like, that's part of the problem. Um, the, like, you know, they, their eyes are bigger than their stomach and yeah. things like that. But he is kind of like the representative of all of that for the whole duration of the movie in a way that kind of bothered me. Because then it it felt like the more interesting route to take would be, like, how do these people work together when it is clear that there is, like, an unstable element in the group, like someone who is making impulsive decisions? And they don't really explore that. Like, they do it, but only to the degree of having a few kind of, like, fun bonding moments where they release the tension. And otherwise, they don't do much with the idea. Yeah. And I just didn't believe the degree to which they fall throughout the movie. And I also think, like, even though this is a movie that is trying to be morally gray as hell, like, it is not putting them on a pedestal. Like, we are not supposed to be proud of what they're accomplishing. Like, there isn't even ostensibly a really good reason they're doing this, except for Oscar Isaac's, like, hey, we're getting rid of a bad dude, you know? Yeah. Um, So I I didn't feel hoorah there, but it still felt like 
the last act of the movie is only fun if you are willing to put on your hoorah hat. And it was kind of hard for me to do that when I was like, yeah, but they're all like, they all kind of fucking suck by now. <laughs> like, yeah, may- maybe I don't want them to get off. Maybe I don't want them to make it to the boat if even like a single person gets gunned down, you know, like, <laughs> why should I, why should I want that? Like, <laughs> yeah, they are at least as bad as anyone they're meeting. Um, and it, like, that could be interesting. I think Catherine Bigelow would have made a pretty awesome movie about it, but this just felt like it like had a lot of cool source material and went for like the most bland, obvious route instead. So I didn't like that. Did like a scene about lighting money on fire. I liked a scene involving a mule. <laughs> Some of the action was cool, but it was kind of like quickly done. I, I don't know. It, it was just kind of nothing for me. So one of the things that I thought was interested or interesting relating to the like hoping no one else has to be shot over the course of this film is the idea of not just like the weight of money and carrying it, but like the emotional weight and the value of money in various situations, right? Like mm-hmm. in a normal heist film, you have like, oh, there's like $10 million in here. We're going to get it. We're going to split it five ways. It's going to be great. And then like if there's more money or there's less money, like that becomes a conflict amongst the group. And in this film, there is so much money and everybody wants all that money. But they're constantly being put into situations where they need to spend that money mm-hmm. in order to fix or make up for or hand wave away an issue they're involved in. And it was it was kind of interesting the way these characters plan on certain things, right? Like there's literally a scene where they need to rent a helicopter mm-hmm. <laughs> so they can try to get all this money away. And the guy shows up in a little dinghy plane and he, they hand him $2 million dollars. In bags. And he literally says, like, that looks like way more than $10 million over there, but it's cool. I'm not, I don't know what he says, but he's basically like, he's like, but this is business. I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Just the idea that, like, you could have so many hundreds of millions of dollars Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you're in a situation where you're trying to pay somebody a million, two million dollars. Like, I'm not a greedy person. But if you're in a situation where, like, somebody is relying on you mm-hmm. <laughs> and they literally have so much money, they cannot move it. It's like, why do they care? And why do you care? Like, right? It's well, like, I think it's kind of a, it's like gambling addiction, right? It's that feeling that, like, I think the scenes in the house, and I don't know how much to give away. I, I should say I never watched a trailer for this movie, so I have no idea what was given away at all. Okay. Like, all of it, to me, I just learned in linear time as the movie played. Um, but when they're in the house and the problem is that there's so much money and there's this feeling throughout the movie after that of like, I don't want to give away any of it Yeah. to the point of irrationality. It's a lot like, like gambling, right? Where it's like, yeah, I got this, but what if I doubled it? What well, if I doubled that? And like, none of them know what they would do with $250 million. Well, one of them would buy whatever car he says he's going to buy. Yeah, Ferrari. Cool. So <laughs> knock off a hundred grand. And then keep... no, so, so the thing though is at, at the beginning, as the mission is starting, I believe Ben Affleck line is we're not leaving any of this money for, because at, 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 at this point in time, they have stormed the house and they don't know where Larray is. So, like, they're like, we're not leaving any of this money for his entire organization. Um, we just take everything, right? Mm. Or or burn it down, right? So, like, I'm fine with the idea of we're specifically trying to rob this drug lord to disrupt whatever the hell the drug lord does. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm fine with like the greed of don't leave any for him. But there's some point like I, if I had a hundred million dollars or two hundred million dollars, I don't know what more I would get having double the amount than having the hundred million. Right? Mm. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure if I had a hundred million dollars, I would be set for the rest of my life. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> so, I don't know what your retirement plans are, but <laughs> they don't involve $100 million, I'll tell you that much. Um, but I just feel like there is some point where you can't get re- I mean, that, that's the problem with our country right now, right? <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, uh, like, I, I feel like there, there's not much more of a benefit. Like, they could have easily, from the beginning, just ditch some of the money and been fine. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I just found that... The, it's the stru- actually a metaphor for the 70% income tax. <laughs> I mean, they got taxed a lot more than 70%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like, so I, I'm, I'm, I just found it compelling watching them try to decide what was okay to lose in what situations. Like, there's a scene where Ben Affleck's sitting at a table... And being like, this money is for this, this money is for this, and this money is for this. And I thought that was an interesting thing, being in a situation on either side of that table, deciding whether that was valuable or not, was like, I, I, I just thought those were interesting situations. Not saying the writing is the best in the world. I'm not saying that, that um, it did a good job making those points. It was just enough to make me think on my own in a way that, made the film interesting to me right I, I think it's interesting too though i do i can't name a comp but i feel like there are heist type movies where this has been dealt with before like the idea of how much is too much and what are you willing to give up and what would it feel like to have to slowly do that math um i, I don't know i i feel like this is a thing that has happened before but i do i do agree that's interesting and that the fact that the premise was kind of interesting was enough to keep me going the whole way through. I was never like annoyed watching this, except yeah. for thinking that it should have been so much better than it was. Um, <laughs> and I, I do want to say, by the way, when I was listing scenes that I like, there's a scene in an Apache that I really enjoyed. Uh, like I think the logistics of how they are going to get out with the weight that they have, that that was pretty cool. I, I was on board for that part. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. I just think that maybe part of it too is that I would have maybe enjoyed this movie more if we got more upfront about Oscar Isaac's motives and like we learned a little bit more about that that drug lord. Like a, a lot of this would be cool if robbing that drug lord was the culmination of something we had felt rather well, than I mean, it, the obvious premise that's going to happen in the first half hour of the movie. But it, it is. I mean, I mean, it's not that we get time to sit with it, but Oscar Isaac has in an official capacity, been hunting and fighting against this guy's organization for the last, like, five years or whatever it's been. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it, it's, Lorea is his white whale, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it, literally. <laughs> um, but he, so he's been trying to take him down, and he's sort of in the, the, like, the normal vigilante thing, right? Where he's like, doing it the appropriate way has led us nowhere mm-hmm. but i have this one informant who has given me one single piece of information that tips the tides um there's and... money in the banana stand <laughs> but ba- yeah basically it it's it's a thing where he has had this one chance and 
it's not just that he has the chance, it's that he can quit all this shit because this one chance potentially equals a huge payday for him in a way that um can allow him to retire, right? So sure. it's 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 combining the the government turned its back on us and the one last job like sort <laughs> of thing all together into one sort of uh, situation and I I just found that enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I just had because he at least starts out seeming like a pretty ethically good character, I had trouble believing the the like immediacy of his decision to leap into this. You would think there'd be a lot of half measures. Like if it were all about him <clears throat> not wanting to get law enforcement involved because he thought they were going to snitch, that'd be one thing. But it seems clear that money is like a big motivating factor in this in a way that is like just not that believable to me, given the sort of life he's been living up to that point. Well, if so, the initial idea is that there will only be ten million dollars that they'll find on this site. I think it was seventy-five million. It was a high number that he talked about. I thought it was something small, but either I think way, it was seventy-five, and he said with they would get a twenty percent cut, yeah. which would then be divided amongst the team of five. Mm-hmm. So. Initially, it was like, I finally get to get this guy. It's in conjunction with this government. Like, we could get a good payday. But like, in the opposite of, hey, if I had 100 million or 200 million, it wouldn't make much of a difference. If I had 2 million (laughs) Mm -hmm. or any number more million than that, it would make a difference. I mean, yeah. In the Bay Area, you can't buy a house for for two sure. million dollars. So uh, I could easily go like, well, well, yeah. So I can think of one thing that I could buy that would eat up all of the money, right? right? So like, if I'm going to do a heist to get a bunch of cash, I need more than two million dollars. <laughs> yeah, sure. Though they're also like planning to retire, and you can retire on two million. Like maybe you wouldn't live in the city. I would have to leave the city. Yeah, sure. But you got to think of interest, man. Yeah, or just or die before I run. <laughs> interest interest on two million, even conservatively, is like a hundred grand a year. Like you, you basically got a salary for nothing. <laughs> yeah, but still, it depends on where you want to live in the city. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> uh, anyway, they all seem to live in suburbia in some vaguely border city. I don't know. I don't know. Oh where yeah. It is. If, I, if I had their life, where all I care about is whether or not I have a new truck. Yeah. Which, first of all. That truck looked fine to me. Oh, yeah, that's a I'm fine not truck. a car guy, but, like, that truck looked relatively new, and the interior was not tore up. Yeah, like, Ben Affleck just needs, like, a new beer fridge. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that, like, if I had their lifestyle, I could definitely make do with $2 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, there was some, some cosmic justice I liked, and it probably would get into too many spoilers to talk about, but there are... The way this movie ends with who has money and why I thought was like a clever bit of writing. Like, again, I think it's like a cleverly plotted movie, at least. Um, there was, there was like a reveal at the very end of the movie that I didn't care about. Like I didn't get excited about that at all. A piece of paper. Yeah. Um, and like, it was also kind of predictable, but I don't know. It, well, it, <laughs> what's funny is there's a point early on in this film, not early on. It's, it's early on for the second half of this film where they're like, I don't know if we can make it over that ridge. And all I could think was like, I mean, why not just dump the money and come back for it later or fly over the ridge, park the helicopter, 
get out, climb back over the ridge, and carry the money back, mm-hmm. and then start the whole process again. Yeah. Yeah, because, the, I mean, maybe there's nowhere to land that's near the ridge. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's at least one farm that you could land in. <laughs> yeah, we know how that turns out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I can believe that they would try to push it, but it, it it's one of those things, that it feels more like a parable than it does like an actual story. Like... It's kind of like the greed getting the best of you. <laughs> they and... literally too, flew too close to the sun. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're basically Gollum and Mount Doom, right? Like, they're, like, they're doing this thing, and it's going to cost them everything. Uh, whatever. it, It's fine. It's just very, like, empty calorie viewing to me. Like it, and it my M16. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A- empty calorie viewing. It, it, was a, it was fine for Netflix, but I know this wasn't, like oh, yeah, Netflix is going to make an original movie. Like, this was like a fucking movie. Well, so so let me ask you this question. I know that you already admitted that you watched the first half of this film on your phone on an airplane. Mm -hmm. If we were not reviewing this, and it was just a film that came out, maybe even in theaters, and then like three months from now, you were on some flight somewhere, and you hit like, beep, boop, beep, boop, boop, yeah, Triple Frontier. It's got Ben Affleck and Oscar Isaac and those other guys. And you're just like, I'm just going to watch this for fun. Would it get the airplane bump for you, or would you also be like, well, that movie's kind of dumb? It would It'd get a tiny bit of the airplane bump, but it would It would just be like, oh, yeah, that, that passed through. Like, there's so many movies that, <laughs> that fill that niche for me, like Salmon Fishing in the Yemen or whatever that fucking movie was. <laughs> there's all sorts of movies I watch on a plane that I'm like, well, at least it's two hours later now. <laughs> But it it wouldn't get the. <laughs> I still remember the trailer for that movie. <laughs> it, it it would not get the um, the love and mercy bump, the one where I'm like everybody needs to watch this movie. <laughs> no, no way. I think it's just good enough to maintain interest. It. I had a lot more fun watching uh, the Manchurian Candidate like a couple weeks ago on a flight than I did watching this movie. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. Uh, should we get to verdicts? Sure. All right, Stephen Miller, if you're going to give the same must-see, a recommend with a caveat, wait for until, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? So I, like, I know I've been harsh on it, but I think this is the definition of a rental movie. <laughs> like, this is, it's completely... <laughs> Both literally and figuratively. Yeah, it, it's completely middle of the road. Rent it if you want to pass the time. I don't think it is, like, especially bad at anything. I think it mostly delivers on what it should. It's just, like... If you want, like, interesting Bigelow, like, darkness, you're not going to get that here. If you look at the cast and are like, oh, man, they are going to they're gonna do something awesome with the characters, I don't think they do that at all. It's just a what-you-see-is-what-you-get type of movie, and it, what, it it's brooding enough to be kind of fun, but I, I don't think you're really getting anything else out of it. Yeah, so I, I think this film is completely watchable. This film's greatest sin is that you're watching this heist film, and from the moment... They stand outside the complex while it's raining. If you check the time left on your playhead, it will say an hour left of this film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is the biggest crime of this film. Like, yeah. I, th- I think it is, this film is plenty watchable. I enjoyed it. Um, I liked the performances enough for what they were. Um, I'm still going to give it just a wait for rental. Um, but I, I had fun with it. I liked this film. Like, I enjoyed it. I totally 100% enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I, I I don't feel bad that we watched it to review. Sure. Um, I had fun with it. And uh, hopefully somebody out there also has fun with it. 
This this is evidence of the the rating system being hard to gauge because you and I feel pretty different, but we're both the same player. <laughs> Giving it the same rating. Like maybe it's because I should be calling it pass, but whatever. It, it's a red. I don't I don't hate it. It's yeah. fine. Maybe I should be calling it recommend. Mm, who knows? <laughs> Um, but yeah, that is going to do it for this review of Triple Frontier. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, people can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoiler warning facebook.com slash the spoiler warning or instagram.com slash the spoiler warning if you want to get a hold of us directly you can send an email to fans at the spoiler or you can use the contact form on our site music for this episode will come from the soundtrack maybe to triple frontier Pro- the there's definitely least. some like classic rock dad rock music that you can what, choose so, from okay so this is I'm a little tangent here yeah. um as i i think i've mentioned multiple times on the show um when i watch ne- only when i watch netflix and maybe Hulu, I, I watch with subtitles on, mm-hmm. right? Um, obviously, I don't. Watch I did that sub- for this movie too. I don't watch subtitles when I'm in a movie theater, um, but I but I watch subtitles when I'm watching some of these streaming services. Um, and it was really interesting when the subtitles included the, the title of the song mm. in certain cases, and other times it would just say heavy rock music playing, mm. and other times it would be like Metallica, yeah. <laughs> right? Like it, would, it would call out the song. In only like two cases, and other times it would just say intense music plays or rock and roll plays. Um, so it was funny. Mm. Also, thought it was funny that I was having a conversation about diegetic music, and literally the opening of this film <laughs> uses it. So yep. it was it was good timing. Um, but anyways, that is our review of Triple Frontier. Um, we will be back next week with a review of Us and potentially some other things. Yeah, multiples potentially. <laughs> Bye.